1: hi everybody it's russ from my hammers 11 i hope you're all safe and well if you need your channel please consider subscribing and hitting the bell notifications so you're made aware of any time we put new videos on obviously we have videos going up daily but sometimes we upload two three times a day so make sure you're uh, you're notified by hitting the bell icon we have got some awesome guests coming up this week i can't believe it myself including today's guest um Bit of a fanboy, I'll be honest, uh, of him. He, he played 234 times for the club. He scored 34 goals in the six-year period. It's Martin Bloody Allen. Hi, Martin. How are you?
2: I'm very well, thank you.
1: How's, uh, how, are you uh, how are you coping in the lockdown? What are you up to?
2: Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, I've been um, doing a lot of gardening. Um, <laughs> so keeping myself busy with that, playing a bit of golf for the last couple of weeks, trying to keep fit, lose a bit of weight. Um, And just waiting to, uh, and really looking forward to um, the days as they get closer to uh, returning to the London Stadium um, to watch the team coming out. And that's going to be an epic day. I can't wait for that.
1: Yeah, I know that's gonna. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've got the because obviously I, I, I play the music there. I, I sort of, I've, did it at Upton Park and I did it, do it at London Stadium. And uh, yeah, I'm on, I'm on the list apparently for, uh, for the closed doors. So clearly, clearly the players need i for Forever bubbles played to make sure they know they're at the London Stadium before they start. So uh, now it's getting in. Yeah, I'll be I'll be allowed in. Yeah, I've got a uh, mask and everything and things like that. I'll get tested, I think. And but yeah, it is it is what it is, isn't it? So uh, we'll see what happens. It's it's exciting now, isn't it? It's a bit like the World Cup, isn't it? You're gonna have all these games happening every day, three or four times a, a, a day. It's gonna be absolutely mental. But uh, yeah, hopefully the the morale of the country will be up a bit more because everyone can uh, watch a bit of sport.
2: But, uh... Yeah, well, it, it's been a difficult time. Obviously, 40,000 people losing their lives is, um, is, is horrendous. Yeah, so um, it's something to look forward to. And I guess even through all this these this difficult times for everybody, and people are going to lose their jobs, you have to try and still stay positive and uh, have a good life. You know, because uh, you've got to make the most of every day, really
1: even more so isn't it out of this it just shows that you can't you know the world changed in a matter of weeks didn't it and it just says you You know you it's, you've got to live for the moment now you've got to live for the day and, uh, and hopefully that, that'll, be, that'll be a sign for you know obviously if, in terms of football you know uh, People moan about managers selections and things like that we haven't had live football for a hundred days, so hopefully you know I think we'll be really more appreciative of when when the Premier League starts again particularly uh you yeah, know uh, yeah, eventually when everyone gets back at the London Stadium when everyone can get together and that God knows when that will be the sixty thousand can turn up and everyone sings bubbles together that's going to be quite a special moment and uh yeah can't wait <laughs> okay yeah, to be days now be it so, will be. So Exactly, and that's what we're doing. The the whole idea of the channel now is obviously we haven't got nothing live to talk about, so we're talking about memories and nostalgia and stuff like that. So we're interviewing fans all over the world, all different ages, about their memories, why they why they supported the club, and also the players that meant something to them um, in terms of whether it's positive or negative. Something you know, but it's it's all about sort of recording these memories and great stories coming out from some of the fans, particularly the foreign fans and the Scandinavian hammers and stuff like that. I've just it's blowing my mind, really, how how much they love the club. It's absolutely incredible. Um, obviously, we're getting more ex players like yourselves, like Tony Gale, and we've got a whole load coming up as well. which is brilliant. So, for you, Martin, I know I try not ask the same questions that you've probably been asked a million times before, um, but I apologise if I do. Um, obviously, you joined in in eighty nine from QPR. Why West Ham? Why was it West Ham? Did you have a? Was there a number of a club? I heard there was another. It was Derby, wasn't it? And a few others potentially. Why West Ham?
2: Um. Why West Ham? Um. Well, there was a there was a bid that came in from Arsenal uh, for David Seaman, the England goalkeeper, and yep. myself. George Graham was the manager of Arsenal, and he had been my youth team manager at QPR. So I'd come through with George. Um, into the QPR's first team under Terry Venables. And then when George went there, they made a bid, I think it was something like nine hundred thousand for me and David Seaman. I think it was something like eight hundred and fifty for David and fifty grand for me. <laughs> but that uh, that nice manager out had at QPR uh, called Trevor Francis, <laughs> he turned that offer down and said that it wasn't enough. So uh, I couldn't go to, to Arsenal, which, um, you know, at the time was, was a, a big blow because he was building a good team and that would have been a really good club to go for. And then the chance came in with a, a manager called Arthur Cox at Derby. Mm. He'd also put together a good team. And um, I went up to Derby uh, the night before I met Lou Macari. And um, it was a long way. There was a lot of traffic on the M1. I wasn't sure if I wanted to move that far up at that stage and move away from my roots, if that makes sense. Yeah, perfectly. And I also knew that the next day that I would be meeting um, Lou Macari um, at uh, Paddington Station at 11am. So uh, my dad drove us up to Derby. We had a chat with Arthur Cox. He gave us an offer on a contract. I told him we'd let him know tomorrow um we drove back down got on the train the next day me and my dad up to paddington met him at paddington hotel um the paddington hotel at paddington station and um you know my dad uh, spoke to lou and then lou spoke to us and um they agreed a contract in uh, in five minutes really wow. the fact that it was uh, still in london the fact that both my parents, although they moved to Reading when they were nineteen—sorry, uh, uh, 18 and 19, my mum was 18, my dad was 19, both bought up in Dagenham. Um, my dad was sold by Cholton to Reading Football Club. And I was born and bred in Reading. Yeah. But I knew of the allegiance of all the Allen family. Yeah. There's, there's hundreds of them, by the way. <laughs> uh, Romford, Dagenham, all over Essex, they're all West Ham and they used to laugh that I played for uh, QPR um, but when, I, when it was the chance to go to West Ham
0: yeah.
2: it was the passion and the power of the, of the supporters when they came to um, Loftus Road, they kind of invaded the place, the whole yeah. stadium used to get taken over by West Ham it was unique, it was different it was, it was intimidating as a home team for the invasion to come in when, they had, when I had a chance to go there to play for those types of people, it was, uh, it was just an absolute no-brainer. Yeah. The, the deal got signed um, that afternoon, I think it was. Got my boots from the training ground. And um, I was I had that drive round to Chadwell Heath, which was quite surreal because the only time I'd ever been round there in my whole life was uh, to go to Dagenham to see both my nans, one in yeah. Thompson Road or one in Chilco Road. Uh, I used to call it Charlie Coat. I think everybody calls it Child Cote Road, where my nan's lived. Um, and my aunt is in Romford and Dagenham. And now all of a sudden, it was for the first time in my old life going to Chadwell Eve. Um And it was the beginning of uh, an amazing time.
1: Yeah. Exactly. I, I, yeah, I mean, I know that area quite. I, I live in I live in Hornchurch, so it's like I know. So I know oh, that area oh. Yeah, I'm a Hornchurch boy. I uh, posh. Well, I was Loughton first, and I moved to Hornchurch. Well, I moved to Romford, and then then Hornchurch. <laughs> well, give <Gideon> me a park. Give me a park, really. Yeah, oh, but. Yeah, but I mean, you know, as you said, there's it there was it's the fan, you know, the fans, and obviously you, you became in you know, those that six year period, you know, you became a cult hero, didn't you? I mean, you probably say well, I don't know, but you did. Everyone loved, I loved you. He was like my, yeah, you know, was few, you. There was you. There was a lot, of, a lot of the players that I'm interviewing as well. And next few days, it's like a, it's like a dream come true to be honest. Um, but you know, in that period, obviously you came, in, you came. In, Lou brought you in, and he obviously brought in. You know, Ludos and people like that as well. And obviously, you scored on your debut as well—an incredible goal, diving header from your debut. Yeah, from that
2: corner, yeah, I can still remember that uh, that moment now. Sure. Um, that diving header from just outside the six-yard box into the roof of the net, and then when you sort of stand up, when you, when you get off the floor, and all those supporters behind the goal, yeah. and that magical moment—I can still, you still, I don't think you ever lose those memories. And it's hard to describe that, the feeling that that gives you. Um, you know, I just I can still feel it now. I can still feel it now, you know, getting up and all those people there. Just a magical moment. My dad was up in the stand. All my other family had gone to a, a, an Allen family wedding, which my dad was supposed to go to. But on the Saturday morning, he just said, I ain't going to the wedding, I'm coming to watch Martin. Yeah. Um, so for my dad it must have been a massive, a major moment in his life. Yeah. And of course it uh, lucky enough to score quite a lot more goals after that as a midfield player. It was quite a good tally.
1: Yeah, exactly. And obviously, you know uh, you, obviously Lou bought you Mackay brought you in, obviously, you know, everything, you know, then then obviously Bonzo Bonzo took over and then you end up not getting promoted that year, wasn't it? And you get, got second. Well I think I think Lou, Lou left when you were tenth, and I think Bonzo came in and you got up to the first division um that year and it's and obviously, unfortunately, relegation, but the promotion again the following season, yeah, you know, 93, and then in obviously in the Premier League. So, a long, you know, a long time. Obviously, loads of games for West Ham. What were your sort of obviously your, your the debut and scoring on your debut? But were there any other sort of significant moments? It's probably millions to be honest, Martin. But anything which sticks out of your mind that you know of your time at West Ham, sort of really really fond memories, or or really amazing memories playing for the club for so long
2: you look like neil
1: ruddock do you know what do you know what do you know what someone was talking about someone's t- talking about putting names in the back of my shirt and i'll be honest the last person out <laughs> of the back of my shirt was neil ruddock <laughs> it was it was raised. you do look a bit like neil ruddock <laughs> I knew you looked like someone, oh so you say taking your 10 it's minutes man anyway anyway fond memories oh, i can't remember fond now if fond memories yeah and,
2: um I think that night against Wimbledon in the Cup, they were a very, very good team. Yes. Big, strong men, nasty. Uh, Julian got sent off. Um, I think he trod on somebody, um, which was probably a yellow. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Didn't it all kick off? It it was like, wasn't it like a 22-man brawl or something like that? And then straight away, I think Julian got the tackle in. As it, as, the, as it started off again or something like that, I can't remember.
2: Well, you know, when you go into those battles, and they're going to be a battles, you know, they're all, apart from Dennis Wise, uh, they're all six foot plus. They can all lead it. They, can all, they know where to put it. Uh, they also had Winterburn at left back, Dennis Wise, two quality players, both quick, both, you know, good, proper footballers. But they had power and they had strength and that you knew that they were going to come into Upton Park on a Tuesday night and try and intimidate and bully and play their way. Uh, and without going into too much detail, uh, there was a bouncing ball after about five minutes in the centre circle, and the guy coming towards me was uh, had, a, had a, a white headband on. Uh, He's a big, strong centre back. He was silent, but he was violent, and his name was Eric Young. Yes. Uh, and as the ball bounced up, I was going towards him. He was coming towards me, and it was right in the middle of the pitch. And I had a choice: either get the ball with the bottom of my foot, or get his balls with the bottom of my foot. And that was the the balancing act. And if you like, if you like in my mind, um, there was no way I was gonna go for the ball. (laughs) It was a moment to make a statement that you're not gonna bully us, you're not gonna intimidate us, and we're gonna have it with you. That may sound basic, but, those moments in football games can be key for the mentality, not only of the players, but also the supporters.
1: Mm.
2: I nearly castrated Eric, God bless him. Um, and he was on the floor. All their players piled in to get me. <laughs> Dennis Wise had his fingers round my neck like that, <laughs> looking up at me. All the others were looking down on me. And Julian Dix came in like and tried to take out about eight of them. Anyway, he got sent off five minutes later. We played with 10 men. It was nil-nil, 10 minutes to go. Tim Breaker had been playing at left back. And from my right side midfield position, I was playing at right back with the license to try and go forward, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So anyway, there was a brilliant bit of football down the left-hand side. I think it was Alan Devonshire, Liam Brady, Stuart Slater. What great players. All doing their little bit down the left-hand side. Ball got cut back to the penalty spot. And um, that volley uh, from right back, you know, it should really be on the halfway line as a right back when the ball's going down the left-hand side. I got up into the box and that volley went straight into the stanchion. Um, oh, my God. the Sellout crowd. Tuesday night, Upton Park. Um, absolutely exhausted. We won the game 1-0. The place was absolutely rocking. And I've got to say, that night probably was, um, you know, just one of the highlights. Yeah. You know, There's probably many, many, many. But that story always springs to mind. Um, and I've still got Eric's nuts on the bottom of my studs. <laughs> God bless Oh,
1: brilliant. Oh, brilliant. So, obviously... Yeah. I mean, one of a million stories and we've all heard some great stories from you, you know, throughout the years, but obviously you played with, so you probably played on a few managers, but you played under, obviously with, with a lot of players. And and that's the idea of this whole sort of Hammers eleven thing is to sort of talk about the players that you played with, and if you had to pick a team of the players you played with, who would you pick? Type of thing. And obviously, you can play yourself, Martin. Of course, wherever you want. Tony put him, Tony Gale put himself as captain. Uh, he was going to put myself up front, but he went centre back. Um, he was on corners. He was he was doing it all. But you know, that's, that's Tony. So if you was picking that's your eleven, Tony. yes, Tony, exactly. If you was picking your eleven. Um, who would be between the sticks for, for Martin's Hammers eleven?
0: Do
2: you mean the goalkeeper?
1: Yes, the goalkeeper.
2: The goalkeeper. <laughs> um, I think without a shadow, without that's just a simple, uh, simple, easy one. Um, Ludo yeah. was just a unique character. Um, he wasn't a great laugh. <laughs> it, I've never ever seen anybody train more than him, Um, the hardest worker without a shadow of a doubt, hardest trainer, best trainer, best athlete, East European, and he bought a culture and a change to what none of us were ever used to, none of us. He he bought something different, his total focus and self-belief and desire to do well. Great man, hard, honest, straight-talking, um, great player, yeah, great
1: sure, man. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, exactly. I totally agree with that. Um,
1: yeah, Ludo, yeah, yeah, lovely guy as well. Like, lovely guy Off, like, off like, in terms of, you know, the stories that are coming through from the fans, you know, obviously, it was nice as well. You know, he seems to have a lot of time for everybody as well. Uh, right, we'll put Ludo in goal. Uh, who will go left-back? If I could, I could probably guess who's going to go left-back. Who would go left-back?
2: Uh, well, I think without a shadow of a doubt, that would have to be uh, Julian Dix. Yes. He, um, I got to know him pretty well. I got to know him well. Uh, he had an absolute love of football. And I first saw him play for Birmingham City Reserves when I was Portsmouth Reserve Team Manager. And I was trying to do the knowledge, what, what I would call the knowledge, to find players for when I uh, wanted to be a coach or a manager. And uh, I saw this boy playing at 15 on a Tuesday afternoon. Um, He was playing with Noel Blake at centre-back. I think there was a lad called Hopkins who was um, uh, right-wing. I think Kevin Dillon was playing in midfield. Um, There was about a Mark Dennis. I think he was involved at that time at Birmingham, the goalkeeper. We went on to play for Manchester United was playing on a Tuesday afternoon. This skinny skinhead went into this tackle after 10 minutes. And I'm sitting there with my pad and my notes, making notes in the game. And he, he went into a tackle over the far side. It was like, um, gotta be careful how I say this. Flipping heck. <laughs> he launched, he launched into this bloke player of the opposition on the halfway line. He got a yellow card. I, I said to the bloke in front of me, "I said, who's that kid, Julian Dix? Who is he?" He said, "Oh, he's fifteen. He's from Bristol. He lives up here in Dix. He doesn't go to school and he goes training every day. He don't like school. Oh my God, that's the first time I saw him. He was the most unbelievable trainer. Yeah, unbelievable." as long as you were doing the things that he liked if there were sessions that he didn't like he didn't do it okay. if there was running sessions around chad Belief, he wouldn't do it he'd stand in front of the managers and the coaches and just say i'm not doing it certain managers said you've got to do it so he would do it but instead of running it at a full speed, for argument's sake, a five-lap run starting on the halfway line, where you've got to do five laps as quick as you can. Sure. He would do five laps, and everybody would have been finished 10 minutes ago, because he would do it at the slowest jog you've ever seen. When he'd finished with a proper attitude, we'd have a little game, and within five minutes, he'd have scored about eight goals. And each time he'd score, he'd shout out loud, you don't need that flipping running. Just give me the ball and let me play. (laughs) He was a manager's nightmare. Yeah. But his love of training, his love of football, his desire to win, his focus was second to none. Mm. He was difficult to manage, but my God, what a proper good bloke. Yeah yeah
1: totally agree and 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 you know he was and he was a uh, uh, from 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 a left not not particularly you know i mean the left backs, the full back positions aren't particularly glamorous are they in football you know but but for for julian he he managed to galvanize a crowd from left back you know and and the fans loved him and he was he was an absolute absolute legend yeah all right we'll put julian in let's go let's go for right back who would we have right back for the martin 11
2: Um, well, the teams that I played in, I think that would have to be the robot.
1: (laughs) Who's the robot?
2: Don't you know the robot? No, I don't know the robot. The machine.
1: The machine? Yeah, Yeah. Tim Breaker. Tim Breaker. (laughs) When you said machine, robot, I was like, machine, yeah, Tim Breaker.
2: It was a robot. (laughs) Up and down the right-hand side. Good runner, good pace, um, great attitude, good trainer. Um good 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 attitude all round, good in the dressing room, quiet. He used to look in and smile about some of the things we used to get up to. <laughs> um, but never affected by anybody else or anything else. He had total focus, a really, really good man. Um a proper what I would call a proper bloke. Yeah. Wouldn't be in the middle of the banter, but um he would have a little smile. And he would always, he's just a popular person. Really good, good in the air, all right foot. Um, Good bloke. Great bloke, Tim. Good chap.
1: Yeah. Tim, Tim Breaker. And that's quite funny because now, now, now you've got more time to, now everyone's, you know, everyone's watched Tiger King and everyone's done Netflix. Um, I've been watching loads of the season reviews and I, I, I think I underappreciated Tim Breaker when I was a fan, when I was at that that age, because I'm watching him more now. And, he was, yeah, and now I get the whole machine thing because he was and got forward quite a lot from right back as well. And uh, yeah, lovely guy. Um, he's coming on as well soon. We'll have him on soon. Uh, right, we'll put Tim on, on the right. Uh, centre backs, Martin. Who are we going to play at centre back
2: for you? Well, I think there's a, there was a player that was um, not the tallest for a centre back. Um, Steve Potts.
1: Mm.
2: Quick. Good, good, quick. Not the greatest in the air, but what a good, consistent, consistent, solid player to have in your team. Yeah. Uh, um, I'm picking Poxy because Tony Gale obviously was good. But by the time I got there, Tony was probably, probably just going past his best, if that's fair to say.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, I think Poxy would be the one that would, uh, I, would, I would put in there. Of his pace and his recovery, his covering of uh, recovery tackles and consistency, consistency week in, week out. The same, you've got the same from potsy week in, week out. Never spectacular, um, quiet. Um, he used to watch what was going on and see us messing about and doing naughty things. And um, he would just look and he would smile and he'd walk away, grinning, shaking his head, thinking naughty naughty There, naughty (laughs) Uh, proper proper good bloke really good man
1: yeah no i I agreed Uh, yeah yeah he was i I love Potts. as you said he had he had he he was really good at reading the game didn't he so he just seemed to as you said he would he wasn't the tallest man but he didn't need to be if you read the game properly um and so you know i love yeah steve potts was great i loved him um, never had a hair out of place as well. He yeah? had, you know, like, nice, nice slick hair. Um, I haven't got much left, but there uh, you go. Um, all right, we'll put Stevie in. Who's who's, who's Stevie going to partner in in centre back positions then, Martin? Um,
2: I thought this was a little bit of a tough one. Yeah, but I'm going to have to give that role to Alvin Martin. Yes, I think it's fair to say with all due, you know, with all due respect to Alvin. He was probably just past his best, mm. or he was on his sort of way towards the end of his career.
1: Yeah.
2: What a player, mm. what a trainer, what a focused attitude of desire uh, to win and do well in training every day. Um, probably at that time, he wasn't the best at three games in a week. Um, but when it came to it, on the big games, he he, he turned out, mm-hmm. and um, you know you could see why he played for England. You could see why he had such an outstanding career, and uh, to be involved with him, it was uh, yeah, fantastic player.
1: No, I agree. I agree. And that's the sentiment that 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 the fans, uh, you know, he, he obviously crops up in a lot of a lot of fans 11s because of that exact reason, you know, and, and you know, he uh, and, and he, the way you said about the, the fans and stuff, obviously, it was a major reason why you went to West Ham, you know, you know, Alvin as well, you know, he wasn't from around these parts, so to speak, but just got got the fans and obviously has a has a good legacy of the club still and obviously still lives around the area and stuff like that he's like an, an adopted Cockney that's what I call him but uh, no I love Alvin Good right okay let's go into midfield then Martin let's go to let's go to left wing who would we have on the left
2: wing easy Stuart Slater yeah yeah magic hmm. he was magic yeah. that left foot his change of pace his speed um, fearless not in the tackle but fearless of the occasion, fearless of taking people on, fearless of being creative, mm. fearless of um, performing on big stage and having the responsibility to get the ball and make something happen and there were times he was absolutely unplayable. Yeah. Uh, in training it was your worst nightmare if you had to go up against him one-to-one but a, a really decent guy, a really nice genuine honest, down-to-earth, humble, good, good man. Um, Love seeing him now. He's an ambassador at West Ham when I go to do the games, an ambassador, and I love speaking to Stuart. He's just a nice, just, just, if he was your son, you'd be happy, you know what I mean? Yeah. Know, yeah.
1: lovely lad lovely lad yeah good shout I think yeah he was, he was brilliant uh, right we'll put, we'll put Stuart on the left let's go let's go the other wing let's go the right wing who we have on the right wing for the uh, Alan 11
2: um, I think that would have to go to um was quite a comfortable one really um, Kevin King yeah Kevin King uh, I used to travel in with Kevin King okay. from, from West London so um, we, we lived um, at the time in a, a posh area. And like in Guinea Park, we lived in Gerard's Cross. All <laughs> snooty toffs used to wear tops like this, you know what I mean? With bow ties and cravats, which, um, which didn't really suit me, but I used to wear it as well. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we, used to, we used to drive in together. We used to share the journey. So we would drive one day and I would drive the other day. Uh, we'd drive round the M twenty five to Waltham Abbey. Yeah. we cut through from Waltham Abbey through Aybridge. Yeah, Thaden Boys, Boys and then into Abridge, mm. and then past that great big uh, new building on the left called Roller Bowl. There was a bowling alley. Yeah, Yeah still
1: there, Collier Row, yeah, that's still there, yeah. Yeah.
2: In down there, down that down those roads, through the traffic lights, turn mm. left at the next set of traffic lights. I think the Moby Dick was on the corner.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm following you. Yeah. yeah, you're right.
2: In there to Chadwell Heath, always used to get there for ten o'clock in the morning. Training would start at half ten. As soon as training was finished, we'd have a bit of food with Shirley in the uh, in the in the dining room. Jump in the car, and it was the journey back all the way along the same route. And we'd done mm. that together for years. So I've really built up a, a, a good friendship with mm. him. Um, opportunities to talk football. Of course, he came from a very successful footballing family Mm. he had he had his own ideas about coaching about training about players about team selection about what was good and what wasn't good and it's no surprise to me that he's gone on to have such an outstanding career as a coach at the top level Um, and as a player um, silky skills again brave to have responsibility to want the ball to make something happen, mm-hmm. it took courage to get on the ball and play and perform and open gaps and make things happen. And Kevin Keane had that in abundance. As a trainer, hard worker, and as a man and off the pitch, he's an absolute diamond, uh, an absolute diamond of a person. And um, still in touch with him now, and you know, I'd say um, you know, proper good friend, proper yeah. proper bloke.
1: Yeah, definitely. I'm talking. I'm mean, interviewing him tomorrow, so yeah. <laughs> I'll pa- yeah. I'll pass your regards. <laughs> that's brilliant. Yeah, we'll put Keane at the right. Yeah, definitely. Love it. Okay, let's go into centre cent midfield. Uh, Martin, who who uh, who are we going to have in centre? Who are going to be our two centre midfielders? I don't know. Oh, that's
2: quite straightforward. I think. <laughs> Um, and I don't, I don't make any of these um, choices with any disrespect to anybody. No, of course,
1: that. No, of course not.
2: There's so many good players that perhaps I haven't. Uh, the, my two in central midfield would be um, Peter Butler. Yeah. Um, I'll never forget when he first signed from South Southend. Um, he, he trained on the first day with a pair of high-tech football boots. And we were all looking out the corner of our eye as, he, as we went out for the warm up, And he was a northern lad. He, he smelt very brash, you know, right up front. Didn't mess about Peter. G- bit of a ginger hair. Uh, big jawline. Um, and, and when he spoke, you listened to him. Because he, he had passion and he had power. But then on his feet, he had a pair of high tech. So it was like, really? We didn't know Pete, probably. We didn't know him. Ten minutes later, 10 minutes later, everybody knew Peter. Yeah, The tackles had already started going in. It didn't matter to him. If it was a training day where everyone would be maybe a 7 out of 10 or 70%, 80%, it didn't matter to Peter. If yeah. there was a tackle we had, Peter went through large. <laughs> and then we kept do some running. And I was pretty good at running. No one could beat Peter. No one. He was unbeatable he made his mark on the first half hour, and um, I thought he was a superb player. He mm-hmm. was just what we needed. And uh, great athlete, as a bloke, what a diamond bloke. What a diamond. Yeah, he told it straight. He didn't mess about with anybody. If he didn't like you or didn't like something you said, he told you. Yeah. But he had proper respect for everybody. Never held any grudges. And um, we used to make him laugh, a few of us (laughs) the naughty boys and he used to look at us shake his head and just walk off (laughs) Uh, but i love peter great bloke and then next to peter um another one of the funniest one of the funniest opposite opposite types to me he used to have long hair and always used to smile and i always used to have a, a skinhead And used to be horrible face. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) He uh, he would be good with the football and want the football to play and have have touches and dictate play. And he had great courage. Um, Never any stress. He never needed to warm up because he was just always relaxed. And Bishop Ian Bishop used to be able to play passes all over the pitch, yeah. keep possession, move the ball. And even if he wasn't having a good time, he still wanted the ball. He always had that courage. And he always used to grin. But out on the pitch, I was in a battle, and a war, and wanted to fight. And Bish, he'd look at the opposition and shake their hands and say, hello, meet how are you? <laughs> Where have you been? And I'd been looking at them with blood coming out of my face, thinking opposite but what a player and a really really decent bloke Mm. a proper proper nice nice person very very funny um he (laughs) always he always used to come out to training with a packet of polos in his pocket (laughs) but he did like to have a few beers down the pub in chigwell yeah. So when he used to come out to training, he'd always be in mints. <laughs> so the manager could never smell his breath. <laughs> and that used to make me laugh. Oh, I used to laugh. Great guy. Great, great man. He is a proper, proper decent bloke. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And, Pete, and Peter Butler was the first player I ever met because they used to do... I don't I'd never do it now, but I used to do like the, the junior hammers. You, you could hire a birthday party at the at the school next door and, and a player would turn up and, and Peter Butler was like, and he just played the day before. And I was like, he was the first player I ever met. So it's like, yeah, have a special, uh, special bond with Peter, with Peter Butler. But uh, yeah, and Bish, both of them, we got both of them on. They're both coming on as well. So we've got, yeah, I think we've got Bish on Monday. So I'll, uh, I'll talk to him about, about polos. And so, <laughs>
2: see what he says he'll say who told you that
1: yeah exactly who told you that because your video won't be up by then be up, so he won't know right okay we'll put Bishon and butler lovely bnb up front who are we gonna have up front martin
2: um well the other person that used to make me grin that used to wind me up and he used to suggest that i do silly things <laughs> is trevor morley yeah <laughs> one of the hardest hardest toughest men you could meet fearless Mm. good player good good player hard trainer hard worker good player very good player if he'd have had a bit more pace he'd have probably gone on up top top level um self-belief confidence leader man um, great in the dressing room um, Proper bloke Morley Good, yeah. good play. Always going to get you 12 to 15 goals a season um, Diamond Diamond
1: yeah, and that's what you need. You need someone in a team who's going to strike who have got a bag year, 12, 15 in it? It, it. We have, West Ham haven't had that for a, a long time, I'd say, like a consistent 12, 15 goal striker, let alone a 20 goal striker. But um, yeah, Trevor Morley. But yeah, well, he's, sure.
2: he's not a, you know, Frank Frank McAvenor used to get 25. Yeah. Uh, Tony Potter used to get 30. He's not never going to be in that no. uh, bracket. But the other bracket where Trevor would also help, he would come back as a number 10 and help the midfield players. Sure. He would, cut, he would work the back four. He would come and pick off the back of the, the midfield players. And he was willing to do a stint for the team rather than uh, just be uh, on the shoulder to get in behind. Yeah. Um, so, no, he was very, very good for that team.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. And who would, who would Trevor partner up front? Who would be his, the final piece of the Allen 11?
2: This may shock some people. Okay. My other centre forward would be Marco Boogers.
1: <laughs> yep. Okay. Marco Boogers. Yep. Okay. And why? Why? Why, Mister Boogers? Martin. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um. <laughs> Well, it was at Old Trafford where he got that red card.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: It would only been on the pitch for how long?
1: Oh, I don't know. Not long. We've had a, we've had a few like that. Thomas Repka did it, didn't he? he? He got sent off the first few games he played for us. Uh, but yeah, Marco Boogies would always go down the infamy, won't he?
2: Bless well, him. he's just an infamous character. He I is. roomed with him. I, I um, um, because, because I used to do silly things uh, in hotel, you know, everywhere I went, really um no one ever wanted to room with me the week harry took us down somewhere in somerset or devon to um a little place called morton hampstead a big old uh, stately home uh, with a little golf course around it and um when we got there on the list i was rooming with marco (laughs) boogers so they gave they always put me with like You know what I mean? He'll do. Martin allowed him. Martin can look after him. Um, Oh, my God. He was madder than me. He was mad. He was mad. He couldn't give... um, Am I allowed to say give a toss?
1: Yeah, of course you can.
2: He couldn't give a toss about anybody or anything. He was carefree. He, um, He wasn't a very good footballer, to be honest. Um... He's not really my centre-forward. I couldn't honestly yeah. think of another centre-forward. Who could be my centre-forward? Can you give me some names? Uh,
1: players you played. I with. Did... I'm trying to think. Who do we have? David Speedy. You had, you had Clive Allen. You had David Speedy.
2: I would say both of those had their attributes and both were good players. Yeah. But I would say both of those were probably just past their best. Yeah. What I did like about David Speedy... When he was at Chelsea and he was on the pitch, he was the lunatic. Yeah. He, he had such a brilliant leap and could hang and jump and hit the ball. And any time he could, he'd either elbow punch or kick people. And he was thoroughly <laughs> abusive. And I didn't like him. When he came to West Ham, he was the same on the pitch. But off the pitch, David Speedy, what an absolute really? diamond. The opposite end of the scale to being mad was David Speed. we have never known that somebody could go over the white line and do that. Um, There's one player that I haven't got into that team.
1: Go on, put put him in. It's not going to
2: be a centre forward. I'm going to change it and
1: I'm going
2: to play with an extra midfield player. We'll push Trevor Morley up front because the one player that's special to me is John Monker. John's going to have to fit into that midfield and we'll play with a three in midfield Stuart and Kevin can push further up the pitch a little bit. Yeah. Bish can play at the back. And then uh, on the right can be Peter Butler. And on the left can be John Moncur. And at the bottom of that triangle, in front of the two back players, could be Ian Bishop, because we will try and play some decent football. Uh, Morley can push right up and yeah. on, on their back four. But John Moncur has got to be in my team. Left-footed. I played against him when he was at Swindon. Mm. You can imagine, blonde. Yeah. He had one of those wedge haircuts, <laughs> and come from Tottenham. Yeah. He played all nice football. He had lovely, you know, quick feet, mm. and at nineteen or twenty, when he signed for Swindon under Glenn O'Dell, I used to love playing against him because I don't like Tottenham. And people with wedges that are blonde, they were good footballers. It was my job to get them. <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't like him, really. Well, I've, I hurt him a couple of times, accidentally. Yeah. Of and um, and then when he signed for West Ham, um, what a great bloke. Mm. What a great bloke. What a really good player. 100% committed. One of the funniest people I've ever seen. One of the he used to wind me up as well. He used to take the Mickey, and wind me up, and make me do. i Morley used to make me do stupid things. But I'd have to have Monker in my team.
1: Exactly, love it, love it. And what and what comes through everything you, you talk about, Martin, is, is basically they're all great. You know, you all seem to be still mates and great blokes. And I think that gets lost in the game now. You know, it's like I, I don't, I, you know, in the modern day, I wouldn't see, I don't know, uh, Sebastian Haller phoning up Fabianski in, in 20 years' time. But I can see you and Kevin King phoning each other up 20 years' time and, and, and Morley and Monks and obviously Bish is still around. It seems that that group of players, there was a real togetherness. Um, and I just think it's, it's, a sad, it's a sad thing, really, because um, I mean, even, before, even before your time, you know, the boys of 86, they still are mates and stuff, and it, it, you don't get that anymore now. And that's what comes across when talking to guys like yourselves is the team camaraderie and that sort of... That sort of I mean, I, that was probably the last period, I reckon, at West Ham where you had you, had you, you, had, you had monks, you had real characters. You don't get that in the modern game anymore. It's almost too professional. Um, and it's, it's a shame because you have great stories like what you've said today. <laughs>
2: well, life moves forward, doesn't it? Life does change. Does. Mm. Um, uh, so, you know, when you're talking about what's going to happen in 20 years' time, God bless if I see 20 years. <laughs> you know what I, I mean. That yeah. um, I can't see that one happening. No, it's, uh, it's important. Um, you know, you have to, society evolves and it changes, and with so many players coming from different countries now mm. and travelling and we're getting players from South America, managers from South America and coaches. and Don't forget, we had Robbie Slater who come from Australia. So it was starting to change mm. um, when, I, when I was playing. It was starting to change. And then Replica came in um, and Ludo, of course, from Eastern yeah. Europe. When we do all see each other at the stadium, it is lovely to see them. Yeah. But don't get me wrong, we're not on the phone all the time no, checking know, how, they, you know, yeah. how each other they are. Yeah. But no, when you see people like uh, George Paris,
1: yeah,
2: I mean what a great bloke he is, yeah. what a great player and a servant to our club he was, um, so to see George and he would probably be one if you could have a first sub, it would be George, and yeah. if anybody was injured, you'd put George what in mean? Yeah, he'd yeah, play yeah. left back right back middle yeah. position, and he'd do anything he could for the team to help the team, so what a good player George was um so he would be in there so but yes i do know what you mean yeah and i suppose you could you could say that moving from upton park where you had those characters that you knew from the terraces and you're from mm. your seats and the route to the ground and where you went for pie and mash and where if you went for a couple of pints and a bet before the game it has all changed and mm. moved over now to the stadium where everyone's going to miss those things.
0: Mm. But
2: like you said earlier, 60,000 people, when we march to the cathedral, mm. when we get the first opportunity to go yeah. and watch the people that we worship in the claret and blue, is going to be amazing.
1: Yeah,
2: And different things over the next few years, I'm sure people are going to find a place to eat, uh, to park uh, to go for a few beers and i'm sure there's going to start to feel i know it's quite a long way from the pitch which is a problem always going to be a problem but hopefully in time in time um people can start to get that feeling back uh, from upton park and transfer that into the stadium with a really good west ham team um and to make us all proud
1: yeah, no, I agree. And I, I think you're right. And it, it's, and obviously, you know, up to part, we we're there for a hundred years. And so obviously, you know, the where where my granddad went for pie and mash when he was a boy was where we went for, you know, so it, you have this sort of longevity. And I think it will, it will take generations but you know upton park you know the move to london stadium wasn't necessarily for the, the people who are not going to be around in 10 15 years it's it's going to be for the new generation so my daughter she's eight she only knows west ham play at london stadium she never knew about upton park so yeah. and that and that is, is progress as you said but Martin, um, oh, it's been absolutely brilliant thank you so much for your time i really really appreciate it it's been some lovely stories and it's uh, I know you're a busy man, and uh, I really appreciate your time.
2: <laughs> Did you say you know I'm a busy
1: man? Well, well, I thought. <laughs> well, are you You're playing golf. you playing golf today. Nah, uh, no, not today. Um, my sister's coming over for lunch today. Oh, lovely! He so
2: looks, looks like got a bit of like, fingers. You know what
1: I mean? Been
2: doing, like doing
1: a bit of gardening. There we go. innit? it. There you go. And as yeah. I said, you can watch them. Got some Bundesliga today. If you know, and then we've got. As I said, a couple of weeks' time, Wolves are I walls at home. No, yeah. no, nah. nah, I'm not really into it. Balls me. Watch the watch the snooker. Snooker's quite good. Because obviously, snooker doesn't snooker.
0: even.
1: Well, snooker's on, isn't it? Snooker's on. You can watch snooker. Yeah, yeah. Snooker's on. It's the first Snooker's the first live sport to come back in the UK. Yeah. That started on, on Monday. Ronnie, Ronnie played the other day. He's got, he's got a massive moustache. He looks like uh, Tom Selleck. It's quite funny. But yeah.
2: One afternoon after training, um, Kevin Keane and I went to Ilford Snooker Centre. I don't know who it was we were playing against. And it was about one o'clock, two o'clock after training. We never really stopped there because we normally used to get on that route. Yeah. But two tables away was this little kid playing snooker and um quite a few people were watching him is it i think it's like seven kings you are just along from the training ground along that road there yeah and um oh my god this kid It's century break i've never seen a century break i can only get about nine before i start getting bored and um it was ronnie o'sullivan yeah. it was ronnie Sullivan. he was 15 and he was smashing centuries and he was playing against blokes the best blokes all around london mm. going into there to play him oh my god it was unbelievable and of course i've kept my eye on uh, snooker i like ronnie o'sullivan yeah but snooker he watched snooker that's boring
1: now also, not like religiously but it was like it was on wasn't it and it's like but uh but soon we're gonna get we're gonna do you like... watch net do you watch netflix yeah i watch netflix but then what do you watch you like you know I've, I've got through you know you did tiger king you don't it was only on martin i was i was, it was i wasn't glued to it it's like the darts they had the darts when they were playing darts at home did you watch that one <laughs> <laughs> who watches darts uh, well i think if you go to ali pally you'd watch it wouldn't you Oh, yeah, have a, have a beer you have a beer there but um, but hopefully but we're, we're literally we're going to be like having this deluge of, of football Premier League coming soon so yeah. um, which is going to be awesome but yeah 20 it was uh, 20th of June 5.30 kickoff on Sky Wolves so yeah looking forward to that Martin well, it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for your time man I uh, loved it absolutely loved it and obviously thank you to everyone for watching um, you know some great stories and what? what? Thanks, everyone, for watching. Yeah, well, everyone's going to watch watch the video. So I'm saying thank you, Martin, to people who are watching in the future. Oh, yeah.
2: Everybody out there, make sure you stay safe. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Stay safe. Put, put, and, your,
1: uh, put your mask on if you're travelling in public transport now.
2: Yeah. And stick uh, to old BJ's rules.
1: Exactly. Stick to those rules, please, because we all get out of this as soon as it is possible. Anyway, thanks, everyone, for your time. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks, mine. That was great. Thank you very much. I love that. Are you in a dog biscuit?
2: You get the dog biscuit. That's what
1: I said. Well, you are the mad dog, so it's like, you know, it's not surprised. Did you get that? Yeah, I'm going yeah, to get that, yeah. I'm still recording, so yeah, yeah. Yeah, at the end, that's brilliant.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network. 18 plus.